Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We are still several months away, but if these programs are going to release schedules, going to give us kickoff times, and going to try to start the hype train, then let's talk some college football. I am Mike Ossie, and this is another episode of Mike Drop here throughout the Sports Now family of networks and also made possible by the Believe Network. You can find every episode of Mike Drop available on apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify tune in etc everywhere you get your podcast whether it's on a run just relaxing you want to kill time while you're working ignore your boss go to those those platforms and listen to mic drop and for this show i will be joined by eric proton the lead college football analyst and nfl draft analyst with nbc sports and we're going to talk about pitt West Virginia and Penn State, his expectations, if they align with maybe what I'm thinking, and even some comments by a head coach of one of these teams, you probably already can guess, and what he thinks of what a very, very prominent head coach is doing this offseason with his new program, and that is Deion Sanders at Colorado, and I'm also happy to hear that I maybe will be able to get Eric, in person, we did meet in Las Vegas covering the Shrine Bowl and different events, so maybe I will get Eric in person again as with NBC potentially covering, I'll switch the box there, potentially covering West Virginia at Penn State, rekindling that rivalry, of course, in State College. So, Eric, first off, how you been, man? It's been a minute. I, I did meet you in Vegas. We had some fun. You got to watch me. You know, crash and burn playing some video games on the field there. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, yeah, our boy Malik Obi. Uh, yeah. You know, with with you know, frankly, technical skills that I don't possess. I don't know about no. about your you know coding acumen, but that ain't I can't my do the coding. Set. No, yeah, I no. cannot do the coding. No, <laughs> I, I can edit this all day long, but the coding, I, I don't think so. But I need I need another redo of being able to play his, his new rendition of Techno Bowl that we were able to play there. Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> great stadium in Vegas, uh, but yeah, Everything. yeah, and and it's going to be down in Frisco now. Actually, moving the Shrine Bowl. So, oh that'll, no, that'll get to go to Vegas again. What? Well, we can find a way to get to Vegas. Oh. We we can find oh. a way and a reason to get to Vegas. She where is it going to be this year? Though? I, I didn't realize that. Where is it? Yeah, I heard Frisco, Texas. Frisco, Texas. Okay, yeah. we know the Frisco. Bowl. I think they're getting oh, closer to the Senior Bowl. They're trying to make it easier for those athletes with where they work out. Maybe mm. travel making it easier. Although I can argue. Flights to Vegas are pretty cheap. I, I don't know. And you're not in yeah. Dallas. You're close to Dallas. But I, I will digress here. But again, Eric Froton of NBC Sports. Mike Drop here with Believe and the Sports Now Family of Networks. And before we get to West Virginia and Penn State as they rekindle that rivalry, they do it on NBC at night. And we get to share some creamery, do a live show, and then cover it there at Happy Valley. I do want to get your thoughts on the head coach of Pitt and Pat Narduzzi. And he's no stranger to letting you know and letting everyone know how he feels. He literally holds two press conferences before every game. And one of them usually is off the cuff, feet up, and it's like you're having a beer with the guy. And he is very free sailing and and gives his thoughts. And, you know, I kind of generally respect that. I like covering somebody like that. I like somebody like that in general. But we're in the offseason right now. He doesn't have to talk. He did recently, though offer his opinions on what's going on with the transfer portal in particular. And Deion Sanders, who takes over Colorado, it's a floundering program for 20 plus years, 30 really most of my life, but yes. in the past had some glory days. He's trying to fix it and get it back to where it was. And this is a power five job for him to do that. 70 plus players he's basically telling to get out of town it's not like they wanted necessarily to be gone he walked in the door and said i'm going to get rid of most of you and that's a 1-11 team so a lot of work to do a lot to fix if he wants to win right away and pat narduzzi kind of said hey i get using the transfer portal we've used it but doing it to get rid of 70 plus doing it to get rid of an entire roster 
and basically walking in the door, not even giving kids a, a decision that it should be for them, telling them you prefer them to leave and they need to transfer, which, which happens around college sports, even if it's not talked about as much. But that's not what the transfer portal was intended for. He has a problem with it. He doesn't think anyone should run a program that way and throw all kinds of shade at Deion Sanders. So, Eric, as somebody who's covering this on a national landscape here, what are your thoughts? What do you think even your colleagues' thoughts are on what Pat said about how Deion Sanders is handling the transfer portal and just scrapping an entire team, not a few key positions, but an entire team from one year to the next? Well, you know, it's it's not exactly unheard of for head coaches to want to come in and establish their own uh, sort of a culture in a program. I don't think I can fault Mr. Dion for that, you know, of course. Sure. It's just for the entire timeline of college football, you didn't have the current transfer rules. So you couldn't do that, you know, and, and even to be able to do it. Yeah, the coaches switch schools all the time. That's it's, you know, it's not like he's yeah, the yeah. Old coach yeah. switching schools. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of coaches would love to do that if they could and just take all the sub three, you know, four star players, say, okay, you're out. And we'll just, we'll just bring in a whole new guy. I mean, they would love to do that, but you, you know, you can't cause one, you couldn't before, but two, you don't have the magnetism of yeah. Deion Sanders. I don't, you don't, unfortunately, right. Mike, you know, no, no. offense, you no. know, I, don't, I, I don't know that sort of, I got some shit. charisma, but I don't, I'm not oh, prime time. You I'm do. not prime time. That's fair. I, yeah. I, I do not mean to besmirch. A good <laughs> right. I'm not, I'm not prime days. time. I, 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 I can't pull up a Jerry curl as well as Deion Sanders. <laughs> yep, I you know. can't do that. I can't talk like Nick Saban on, on the can right. on the trail. You know, I can't do right. that. So. No, I, you can't flash some rings either. No, 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 no. I, right. I don't have, that's not in, in my wheelhouse. <laughs> so it is in Dion. Right. So like, man, if you yeah. have, this is kind of a one of a kind thing where you have just this, this tornado sweeping in and not only is he coming in and bringing new players, but he's coming in and he's influencing the entire school's administration to change yeah. well-established <laughs> uh, transfer policies that were not afforded to Carl Durrell, you know, before him, you know, or, or Montgomery or, or Mel Tucker or any of those guys who were there, they didn't yeah. get that, you know, they didn't have that. Uh, luxury of the transfer portal. Now it's open season, all right, because Dion comes in and that's just part of it. So uh, to, to on the other side of that, you know, from Narduzzi's point of view, he's like, well, you know, that isn't how he was sold, the, po the portal. It wasn't sold that way to him. Yeah. It's like, all right, you – and in his defense, look at the Narg dog. You're taking three-star guys – left and right and you're developing those guys from day one and you're sending them off to the league look at them i mean how many yeah they're, they're absolutely sending a lot of players to the league every year 100%. To the league. yeah i mean yeah. i'm at you know i was at the the combine again this yeah, yeah. year and who yeah. do i see you see haba he was at the shrine boy see haba can't see see watching him in person run his four six yeah. you know five, yeah i was there was, yeah. 40. yeah man yeah. yeah you were there too like it's yeah all the other defensive you know, three techs, uh, you know, ones that you see running, you see their bodies moving like they're, you know, like they're just the ripples of their <laughs> giant figures moving. Dude, Kansi was tight, tight. Everything was tight. He's, it's just muscle that's moving. Yeah. 285 pounds of muscle going down there. It was just, it was just a sight to behold. But like, that's, that's what you guys do. You develop and you do it extremely well. And he's saying, all right, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to go and bust my butt. I'm going to take two, maybe three years where you, you take a kid like a Haba, comes over from Italy, and you mold that kid into being a badass defensive end. Yeah. And, and goes and, and walks. Like, oh, this, this Addison, is also obviously Addison is, is it. I was going to bring up you. This is this is Pat Narduzzi a year removed from right right after the ACC championship, which was a season that really changed the mindset of Pat Narduzzi around called football, certainly among pit fans. There were some pit fans that wanted him, let's admit this, wanted him gone earlier in that season, certainly the year before, wins the ACC crown with Pickett. He's a Heisman candidate. Couldn't have went any better, really, for Pitt outside of maybe winning one more game and getting in the playoff. And then Addison bounces, and he does it for money. Let's face it, that's what he did yeah, it for yeah, to sure, USC, man. which is fully in his I would right. Too, no offense, I live in right. San Diego, guys. 
Guess what? <laughs> Guess what? I took. The, I, I don't even get any money to come out to the West Coast. I, well, I, I got to tell you, I'm yeah, here. San Diego's nicest climate in the country, so I might go there but, for free too. I, I do want to dispel that rumor. Late. I guarantee you, your weather is better right now. I have, it has Maybe been no. the worst in the okay. 18 years since I emigrated from emigrated. the east. I grew up in Boston, so okay, yeah, since yeah. 18 years, it's been the worst winter into the spring. It's right now outside. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, man, it's gray. It's been no that sun way. There. It's yeah. be that way until nothing July, beamed so. in your face. Yeah, I really feel bad. I, I really feel bad in January <laughs> with what you're dealing with out there. But but nonetheless, nonetheless, Pat Narduzzi apparently feels bad as well. So he wanted. To keep Addison in Pittsburgh, didn't want that to happen. But in all seriousness, I'm sure he's still upset about that because obviously Pitt was very upset about that. But to the flip side, Pat Narduzzi, yeah, he's 90% of his roster developing players, which is what you generally have to do with that type of program unless you're Dion or unless you're really a top dog like in Alabama or you have a Nick Saban, et cetera, or even your USC and have the LA money. But and what? Yeah, and weather, but, or media market too. And media, yeah, all right. of it. You get to but, be a but star Pat in LA Narduzzi, for your last year of college, right? Are you kidding but, me? But it's Pat Narduzzi, Pat Narduzzi did bring in a transfer quarterback not only this year, who is a, a local Pittsburgh kid that went from Boston College and now coming back to Pittsburgh, well, but also Notre Dame he, first too. I yeah, mean, yeah, Notre Dame five first. Star, five star recruit. Right. So he brings him in. That's a transfer. That's a kid that they swung and missed at trying to recruit years ago, mm-hmm. and also the year earlier it didn't work out. But they brought in a kid from USC to Pitt in Slovis. So there's some hypocrisy there, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. That, yeah, you're not – maybe maybe the portal was not designed to get rid of 70-plus kids. Because I think also Narduzzi's point is that these kids commit to a school. It's one thing if they want to transfer because that's their right and that's the rules and that's how it should be now. It's only fair if coaches can leave. They can do the same. But when you walk in the door and tell them – I know you committed and you moved here and your family wanted you here and you're all sold about here, but you're not good enough. Get out. Like maybe that wasn't the intention of the portal. It's being used that way across basketball and football. That's that's what we're getting. Yeah, we're getting it for sure. So maybe that wasn't the intention, but it's not like Narduzzi's not using the portal to his advantage as well. And it's also not like the year with Slovis didn't work out. It wasn't just that Slovis wanted to leave and get more playing time somewhere else. Pitt also kind of said to him, hey, it didn't work out. You're best to transfer. So Pitt's done the same thing. So yeah. there's some hypocrisy there. But it's interesting sure, to have Narduzzi sure. speak out have so clearly on Dion. What do you think the impact of Dion is going to be separate from Narduzzi's comments in terms of the instant ability to turn Colorado around? Is that possible? And is this something that's going to be a, a, a job jumping thing for Dion? Like there already are rumors that he's looking at Florida state. If they happen to have a down year, they didn't want him one once, but now maybe they would like, is he going to be long-term locked in there in your eyes, at least for a no. few years? Can, can he turn it around quickly? What's going to be the Dion story and what can the impact be on college football? Or will there ever be any rules that are kind of trying to fight this? Like, do you think anyone is going to try to put any clamps in saying, we like the transfer portal. We like NIL, but we don't but, like 70 plus players. We got to do something. They did it with windows being tighter this past season to try to fix the Addison problem. Oh, yeah. You're going to see continuous tinkering. I don't, I don't this, to think that, you know, barely two years, uh, you know, into this experiment that they've thought right. out all the loopholes and the kinks. No way. There's going to be plenty of you know nibbling around and, and tinkering that's that's going to come for years to come yeah we haven't settled science at all if any i think it's quite <laughs> no. the opposite i think it's you know as we see thousands of players in the portal at this point right yeah, yeah you know obviously you will continue to have constrictions and and that's probably that's a good thing you know because let's take the keaton slovis example uh all right he's new coach comes in usc the domino effect he right. brings in, you know, uh, football Jesus, Caleb Williams, as he is, is right yeah. to do. Why right. wouldn't you bring in? Right. Caleb Why would you not? Right. Yeah. You want to have be in the best situation for yourself. So, you don't want to just. Yeah. Right. You don't want to just Jesus, lose. Slovis sure. is probably already leaving anyways. He was. He already got overtaken by Dart. Miller Moss is pretty good. Right. You know, it's like he he was just one of three guys there at that point, and the writing was on the wall for Slovis even before I feel that he came in. So. Lincoln Riley comes in, boom, 
Slovis says, all right, I'm going to go and, and head to Pitt. But it was not – it wasn't a step up. It was a step down, but that's how it goes. Yeah. That being said, he comes in, he lasts a year, and now he's gone. Right. Because he was going down. You know, like that's what happens. When you're going – when you're transferring down, you're getting, you know, and a lot of times perceived damaged goods or a player who has perceived flaws who yeah. might not, you know, succeed in – that parallel or maybe a tick down or maybe you want playing time. Cause there are, there's a lot of kids actually that do transfer down, but it's from a major program where maybe they're a backup to being a legit a, starter. Yeah, at a, and what are you going to do at yeah. a group of five? Right. You go do your thing. And there's plenty yeah. of those guys. That's, that's all I know what I'm saying, but we're talking about Keaton Slovis. And yeah. let me ask you something from you, from your point sure. of view, you watched a lot of Keaton Slovis. Are you sure. sad to see Keaton Slovis go, Mike? No, the no. The, fan I, the, that. Well, I'm not going to claim to be a pit fan, but it didn't work out. It it made <laughs> it, it, it made sense for him to be gone. I can't whether see it, it be in, wh- whether it be injuries or whatever the case. It, it didn't horrible. it didn't work out. And and honestly, even the flip side, JT Daniels, the same thing happened at West Virginia. Came there looking to save everyone. He was looking to save himself, looking to get enough value to go to the NFL. That was yeah. clearly his plan. Didn't work out for him. Didn't work out for them. Everyone agreed to part ways. He's gone. He's at Rice. He probably now, wants to be in the NFL now. At Rice. Congratulations. Right? Yeah. It's he's he, he's the Van Wilder of the portal. He's going to transfer <laughs> every right. year. Yeah. So like, I had somebody actually <laughs> somewhere that had a problem with me saying that on the air. But anyway, I, it's it, it's a perfect it explanation of what he's been doing. But it's within his right. And you do see this is mostly a college basketball thing. But there have been some players that. They tried to transfer too late. They already got to a practice, and then they tried to transfer. There were players that that were the NCA didn't want to let transfer, or made them sit out for a while. So yeah. Oh, yeah. that also seems like against what the intention of the portal was. But well, there's they're still trying to figure things out, and there's different rules in place. And it seems like the NCA does not want the portal to be made a mockery of, even though they want the portal to exist and they're allowing it to exist. So it will be interesting what happens in the aftermath of a season in which Dion walks in the door, puts a YouTube video up that his son puts up on his own channel in which Dion says, you're all not good enough. You're gone. Like it wasn't like he just changed the roster. Yeah. Like, right. He he didn't just change the roster. He kind of did make a mockery of, of those players and the portal. So I wouldn't, I just wonder what would happen from that. They've already tried to, to tighten things up a little bit with windows, making, Jose Perez had to had to wasn't allowed to play last year. West Virginia had to sit out, and now he's going to come back next year. Those things could occur, so we'll see. But it's just interesting to have a head coach oh, yeah. speak out against yeah. it, and that's what Narduzzi does. That's what Narduzzi's been doing, and that's what Narduzzi's going to do. Mike drop here on the Believe Network Sports Now family of networks. Mike Osti, Eric Froton here, lead college football analyst and NFL draft analyst. And Eric, we're now going to slide into Pat Narduzzi's team, the Pitt Panthers. They win the ACC a couple years ago. They have a Heisman candidate. They kind of do it as a surprise. A lot of veterans there. This past year, a lot of NFL prospects again, but they didn't have the year they thought they were going to have. They certainly weren't a national contender, even though it was a good year. And they do make a bowl game, and they're able to win that bowl game. They didn't win the major bowl game a year earlier after the ACC title year. It's another year with expectations, even though it's another year with a new transfer quarterback, a little bit of a younger roster, an offensive line that didn't play as well as they were supposed to last year that has pressure to do it again this year. DraftKings and other sports books have them at six and a half right now in terms of an over-under for wins. I would imagine knowing Pitt and the program and what they think of themselves now after winning the ACC a couple years ago, that six and a half, if they go seven or lower, they're not going to be satisfied. But what's your view of what to expect from the Pitt program this year with, once again, a new transfer quarterback? I'll tell you, they don't get any, they don't get any help from the schedule, now, do they? Right. You know, when you're going to go and you're going to have a fun game at West Virginia, that's a rivalry. On the road. Everybody they, they, enjoys that. It's right. on the road, you know. Yeah, like you, yeah. you, got, you got a limp in West Virginia. At least that's kind of the perception. Right. And and you got to go on the road to, to Morgantown. Nobody wants to do that. And uh, and as you have pointed out, Mike, that's a night game. And funny things can happen. In funny things games. can happen at night. Funny things. Uh, yeah. But also, you don't just get West Virginia. You get Cincinnati, too. Yeah. Like, oh, man, do you really want to do that? That's not exactly, a, you know, an enjoyable tr- 
welcoming invite. Okay, come on in, Cincinnati. I mean, I know it's not Luke right. Pickle there anymore, but that's that's week two after a, a little a nice little cupcake against Wofford. So, you know, that's before you even hit the ACC schedule. You get two out of three games that are real games, and a lot of Power Five teams don't have real games. Yeah. Especially yeah. even some of the big schools don't have those games. You know, you're yeah. playing exclusively G five FCS teams. In, in those, uh, the beneath games. But then you go, you know, I mean, North Carolina at home. Uh, you got a Heisman candidate quarterback. They bring in Nate McCollum from Georgia Tech, who's a great slot receiver guy. I love and his return man. You got Tez Walker coming over there from the Mac. I mean, oh boy, that's going to be a good offense. Uh, then you go to Virginia Tech. You've got to feel all right. But I mean, hell, again, you're going – Virginia yeah. Tech. A lot of their big games are on the road. Place right. to play. You don't want to yeah. be there. And then you host Louisville. Okay, changing over. All right. At Wake. At Notre Dame. Bringing in what Florida State's the favorite to win the ACC right now. All right. So one of your home games is against Florida State. Delightful. Yeah. Um, at least yeah. you got Syracuse coming in. That's a good time. And then and and Boston College. That helps. And you travel to Duke. Um you know, which would be a, a coin flip because, hey, but props to Mike Elko. Uh, Riley went yeah. a really good quarterback. It, that's a good team, guys. That's a real good team. So I'm uh, I'm eyeballing here. I, I mean, I'm leaning over. I'm leaning over. Okay. But I don't love Dracovic. That's a big problem for me. Well, see, that's, I feel like, the driving force of the season. It did not yeah. work out with Slovis, and that's why a lot of Pitt fans feel like the year didn't go the way they wanted it to go, and whether he was hurt or not, it's a different a different conversation. But Dracovic's now there. He's a local kid. It's taken him a journey to get there. You feel like he's a veteran, established QB. They don't have the weapons they had a couple years ago with Pickett. Why do you not like him? Well, uh, two-time cast off. You know, went from Notre right. Dame, lost out to Ian Book, then got over-recruited with Tyler Buckner there, who's now at Alabama. Uh, goes over to BC, where Jeff Halfley takes over. You know, defensive coach, Frank Signetti, uh, you know, former, brings in an NFL guy. Halfley was the D.C. at uh, at Ohio State, so, like, he was an extremely well-qualified guy to go in. So, like, I have really high hopes, and he's working with Zay Flowers. So, he, sure. yeah. he looked... First season, I thought like there was real like NFL potential. He he looked, his arm is there. Okay. But I feel like defense is kind of smartened up to him uh, in terms of I don't think he makes good decisions a lot of times. And that's really what I think kind of came to the forefront. Um, you know, two years ago, breaks his hand. That was awful. He can throw away 2021. Uh, that was out, you know, it, it hurts. Comes back in 2022, and I expected to see the 2020 Dracovic. We didn't get it, you know, and there's a reason why he isn't at BC anymore. You know, right. and Moorhead yeah. outplayed him, and that's, you know, a fairly nondescript three-star That's fair, because a lot of Pitt fans, they're, it's polarizing. They're either excited or they didn't want to change, and they wanted to maybe – there was even some Pitt fans that actually wanted Patty to get a shot. But to be fair – Patty was all right in the bowl game. <laughs> right. He's, he's but, elusive. He's got some moxie. Like, hey, I, speaking Patty of the, cakes. I, I, I didn't mind him. Yeah, speaking of the transfer portal, Patty probably like could have transferred out. too, Christian Villieu. And, and he, that's the other thing that kind of makes me feel better. I, like Patty kept – looked okay to me. Yeah. He, no, yeah. Pat, there were some that thought Patty was a dog. That was the exact quote I heard. But he kept staying – loyal he probably should have transferred out two years ago like use the portal if you want to play but anyway he stayed loyal but there, there's a polarizing effect of Jacobic coming in and I think a lot of people are losing sight of what you just said it's not like he's coming in to do this you know LeBron James back to Cleveland thing like I'm gonna yeah, do it for the hometown. hero right like he he's he's basically taking an opportunity to be at a major program in a power five still and increase his value and fix what got messed up before if that didn't get messed up, he probably would never have played for Pitt. He's not, he's, he's not doing them a favor. He's trying to help himself too. Absolutely. It is a right. symbiotic relationship right. here. Right. With your right. COVID. Keep in mind people. All right. I, I want you to, I'm not just pulling this out of thin air. He completed 59% of his passes. All right. He's under 60% red flag yeah. right away. Yeah. Barely. But he's under 60. Yeah. Eight to 13 big time throw to turnover worthy play rate. Yikes. Yeah. And a 55 passing grade. I mean, I am not a PFF is end all be all type of right. guy, but right. 
look, they, those are not promising marks. And they've gotten yeah. the year before he had a 72 passing grade. He just wasn't good. He's got and, and that's kind of what I was getting to is yeah, his development stalled. And he wasn't making good decisions is what my problem was when I'm watching him and I'm watching his eyes and, and what he's going with. And he's got a first round superstar who I got, we got to see at the Shrine Bowl in person. Zay Flowers rocked up putting 10 pounds on in the offseason. And he looks incredible. Yeah, he does. And everybody's raving about him. And he look, he's got he he's a first round talent. And and you can't have a big season with him. All right, I'm sorry. Right. I don't mean to put a, a bucket of water on this whole thing, but you know, hey, you lost Jared Wayne too, right? He's gone. I like Bub Means. I thought he showed promise in the bowl, and uh, I'm curious what you think a little bit because he, he yeah, like he filled the outside role. But I have concerns about Jakovic. I mean, they were there were concerns last year if Pitt had enough receiver help for Slovis. And they did have some emerge and some thought maybe some were underrated and under Addison the year before. It's going to be a new cast of characters now. I think the only difference for Pitt maybe for me, and I think over, I don't think more, I think seven wins makes sense, like over six and a half, but I don't think. It's such a well-coached team too. That matters. It matters. Right. And and Narduzzi has really grabbed the hold of this of this program. He's developed really, really well. You can say what you want about his comments, but he, he's really owned this program and has really become a pit man and certainly made this program into much more than it was even five years ago. So you got to give him tons of credit for that. He stabilized himself there. If I had to predict right now, I would probably say over six and a half at seven wins. I don't think eight's going to happen because as you alluded yeah, to and detailed, they have their big games on the road. And even though they should be heavily favored to beat West Virginia, which we'll get into here in a moment, it's on the road in Morgantown at night, and they barely beat a West Virginia team that was not good last year at home. So West Virginia could have won that game. So it's not going to be easy to go in there and win with a quarterback that's only going to be in your system for a couple weeks at that point after you're just dealing with another Power 5 team that's moving into a conference. Yeah, you'll beat Wofford, but like the ACC schedule won't be easy. They've already, they usually lose one or two of those games anyway. They've had problems with North Carolina before. Notre Dame obviously could be an issue, even though they do lose a game or two throughout a year. Florida State could surprise. They got really good at the end of the year. It, this ACC oh, last year and even the Murders, year that Pitt, even the year Pitt won the ACC and even last year a little bit, they and this is what they should do. They took advantage of a major conference being a little down. Florida State's been down for a while. Miami's been disappointing for a while. Yeah. Clemson's been yeah, less than over. what they've been. Clemson's been. Yeah, right. They, so going they dodged in, Clemson this year. That's good. Right. You don't have to play Clemson, but still, Clemson is going to be back this year. Florida State should be really, really good. Miami should be better this year. You don't have all of them on the yep. schedule, but the difference yeah, like is that, that unlike last year and every other year, you were able to come out of a division of the Coastal, and all you had to do was beat the Coastal teams. That's it. doesn't matter your overall record. And then you're in the Conference Championship game. That's also gone. So yeah. now you have to yeah. worry about what Clemson's doing. If Clemson's running through a schedule, even though you don't play them, they're going to get in the title game and you're going to be dealing with them if you're even lucky to be there because you're going off record to record. Florida State could have a better record. Yeah, you're you. going to play Florida State. Exactly. Right. right. So it will not be easy for Pitt by any means and it will start off difficult for Pitt. So we will see what they do. Maybe they'll give you more of a ground and pound team, though. They actually had some success on the ground last year that could save them from having to worry about what a quarterback does. Eric Proton. One layup. One yeah. non-power five team in your yeah. whole schedule. Yeah, ah. and Eric, now we're going to move in again. Eric Proton of NBC Sports. Mic drop here on the Believe Network throughout Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, etc. And Pittsburgh Sports Now, West Virginia Sports Now, and Nittany Sports Now, or a Sports Now family of networks where we have coverage of all of these teams. That perfectly segues, though, talking about Pitt only having one non-Power 5 team on the schedule. Well, that's very similar, arguably even more brutal, to the schedule for the West yeah. Virginia Mountaineers. They have some of their bigger games this year at home, whereas in past years they have been on the road, certainly the rivalry games. They have pitted home this year, but they have a schedule that includes only one gimme game as well. They play Duquesne. That's FCS. It's actually a local team. Yeah. They're right in Pittsburgh, too. It's in Morgantown. Also freaking at night. They obviously are going to win that game like they've been beating up FCS teams every other year, too. But outside of that, they play Pitt and Penn State it's this year. It's almost comical how bad Both of them. Oh, like, the oh. schedule in the last couple of years has included multiple non 
conference power five historic rivals they did beat virginia tech twice but you lose to Pitt. it's not easy at all they lost to maryland those games recently even though they're a similar program you get in this year you have to start the season not you don't get wolford first you don't get duquesne first you start the year week one on the road we're going to be there in happy valley yeah, 100k Hardest place to play, arguably one of the hardest places to play, the defending Rose Bowl champs. They got high expectations here. We'll get to them later. It's not going to be easy either, even though a new roster. That's week one for you. You then get Duquesne, but then you got Pitt. They're at home, but that's still a Pitt team that's been better than you in recent years for sure, and it won't be easy at all. Solid, solid program. And then you go into conference play, and they had their problems with conference play last year, and you're figuring to lose a couple games there. Last year, the Big 12, say what you want about the Big 12, they had five ranked teams, and TCU made Don't the playoff. Don't hate on the Big 12. Do yeah. not hate on the Big 12. TCU not, made the playoff. They so went through the they went too. through the playoff and they at least got to the championship game even though they kind of got embarrassed there. So the Big 12 was not in any way bad last year. Nope. If it's going to be similar again, and this is going to be a 14 team gauntlet conference with Oklahoma and Texas still in there, and then you're adding Cincinnati, BYU, UCF, etc., Houston. It's not going to be easy at all in conference, but then you have those games outside of conference. West Virginia right now is being pegged at an over-under of four and a half. And obviously, we don't even need to debate him. If that happens, they will then fire Neil Brown and move on. Ren Baker came (laughs) on my show and said it was a year of evaluation. He wouldn't give me a win total, but I'm going to guess it's ahead of four and a half and five. You're going to have to go over to keep your job. There's no two ways about it. What's a reasonable season that you can expect from West Virginia? There are a lot of people really, really down. There are some, some of your colleagues even saying that four and a half being generous and this team might win two games. It might be the worst season in 150 plus years of West Virginia football, which is the 15th winningest program ever. That would be insane. That, you know, could Uh, they potentially exceed four and a half and actually have a solid year that gets into a bowl game where they should expect to be normally? Well, like you say, again, it, it's the lack of gimme factor. That's an issue. Yeah, but the, the one thing they do have going for them, you do, you know, I, you have to remember, they did, they do have all those teams that are coming up. They get all the newbies, at least, to yeah. the Big 12. You know, they get Cincinnati at home. They get BYU at home. Yeah. They go away to UCF in the bounce house, and they go to Houston. But they play all four of them at least. So, I mean, those are AAC moving up teams. So that's right. your saving grace. That's what, what you know, the Bulls in the market uh, can hang their hat on. That and obviously Duquesne. But then obviously I got to – no offense. I got to look at Penn State and Pittsburgh as a pair of L's. Yeah. You know, so you're coming, you're coming out of the early non-con or the, the straight non-con, you know, at two and – at one and two. Texas Tech – you get them at home, but dude, this is Texas Tech year two of Joey McGuire. And West Virginia can't beat Texas Tech. They haven't been able to beat <laughs> no, them in recent time years. Right. And, and not, not just Joey McGuire, who's, who's a very respected. I think we lost your mic wise there, Eric. You want to bring me back to where you were? We had some technical difficulties there with the mic prior to the show. Are we back? We back? We are back. So, back. so go back into it. My apologies. Uh, yeah, and Texas Tech. Texas Tech is no joke. Okay, Joey McGuire, right. defensive head coach, made his bones extremely well-respected as running the show. But keep in mind, on offense, so like he's had a chance to change over the D, and then on offense, year two of Zach Kitley. Okay, we're talking about Sam Houston State. During the pandemic, we saw them play up four times. They played Texas Tech, and they hung a 35 on them, you know, on Texas Tech. And they played – and, you know, a couple other – it eludes me at the moment. But, like, they played a couple of, you know, pretty respectable P5 teams, and they were scoring on them. So, 2021, Kitley gets the call up to Western Kentucky, brings his staff with him, brings the Stearns brothers, brings Bailey Zappi up there from Sam Houston, and starts lighting the CUSA on fire. That's the guy that Texas Tech has in town now. And he's got he's already had his year zero of like resetting. They go and they bring in Dre McCray, who's a two-time All-American, mm-hmm. right? At the FCS level. They bring him in to play that valuable slot role. Jaran Bradley's in year two on the outside. 
Uh, Xavier White has been in there and proven himself already. Like you have two seasoned quarterbacks that are in that system. The Houston QB, Donovan Smith's already been headed out. Bottom line is year two Texas Tech is a team I believe in. That's, okay. that's a problem. Okay. At TCU, you know, yeah. all right. At Houston, all right. All right, you, you got a shot there. Yeah, that's uh, the Dana, Dana Holgerson Bowl. And Dana, Houston's yep. not been good. They've not been good the yeah, last few years, but shot. they do score. They score a lot of points. But they turn it over. No Nathaniel they, Dell. They do. Right? Yeah. Big time weapon. Number one receiver in all of college football last year. Yep. I was a college fantasy guy myself. It was it was Dell. Yep. Clayton Toon also. Fun fact, Clayton Toon. Highest PFF rating. Also, uh, second highest grade under pressure in the entire uh, college football landscape okay. last year was Clayton Toon. So they're not just losing a couple of guys, losing a couple of studs, yeah. a couple of legit dudes, yeah. and a four-year starter in Toon. So, like, you're talking about a reset. Does Donovan Smith transfer down from Texas Tech? Yeah. But who is he throwing to? Like, I, I like Sam Brown. Uh, like, I'm okay. But this is going to be not as good a team as they were last year. I, I just can't see that happening. Um, Oklahoma State. Again, you got a shot against Oklahoma State at home. Again, yeah. a, a turning over team. I don't They'll know. Beat him last be, year on the road. Yeah. Is it going to be British comedy legend Alan Bowman? The, uh, old friend Alan Bowman from Texas Tech to Michigan to, I mean, we're talking a circuitous route back yeah. to the Big 12. Or, you know, um, is it going to be Garrett Rangel? Like, that, I've watched plenty of Garrett Rangel. You know what I did when Garrett Rangel started for Oklahoma State? I went and I went to DraftKings. And I looked at DraftKings, and they lasted. They listed everybody who was okay. a receiver for Oklahoma State. We like DraftKings, by the way. We got We got to deal with DraftKings. Love Sports DraftKings. Now believe. We're, we're, we're big well, DraftKings guys here. Money rains from the sky. Yeah. In during college football season, <laughs> it, it does. Yes, I know all about. Rains it. from I'm, the sky. Big Garrett Wrangle starts, and they list all their wide receivers in the fifties for yardage. I went and blanketed all those guys. I put out a video telling the world to blanket them. And money rained from the sky when Garrett Rangel started. So yeah. uh, I don't have any any confidence in that particular quarterback room, and that's an issue because they lost, you know, last year their ace defensive coordinator, um, you know, Jim Knowles went over to Ohio State. So they were they're recharging everything. Everything's turning over there, right? Yeah. Sans mullet. At UCF, we know what's going on there with Gus and what have you. That's a pretty good team. We know it's coming from AAC. I think it's going to be a tougher game than Houston because you do have Plumley. You know, you have very experienced receiver core. You got a great running back in RJ Harvey and a good, solid, um, experienced offensive line. I think they returned four starters. Um, versus BYU, old friend Keaton Slovis. I hate Keaton. I don't think <laughs> Keaton Slovis is that good at all. Right. By Puka Nakua, that's a problem. Um, out goes. Uh, really good running back that um, that they had. Uh, Brooks Brooks is gone now. They're replacing Laden Robbins. I just uh, you got a shot there. You're not beating at Oklahoma. I know they were down last year. I I, I think they're they're humming in year two. Yeah, West Virginia did beat them last year, first time I know, since I know. the bowl game well, I mean, and I, doing it in the Big Twelve. But hey, yeah, love, Oklahoma's not going to be down back to back. They're not going to be down back to back years. Then you have Cincinnati. Which Cincinnati's not what they were a Cincinnati couple years a ago shot. last year, but you got a, a shot. shot. And then Baylor, At West Baylor, Virginia also beat Baylor Miranda. last year too. That's another one I of those Miranda games too. where you're going to have a lot of points. Baylor will turn it over though. And this all comes down to a decision that unlike what West Virginia has been doing in recent years and most teams have been doing, where they went ahead and brought in Austin Kendall. They went ahead and brought in JT Daniels. Neil Brown in his make-or-break year for his fifth year with the program, and it's one of the worst five-year periods in the history of the program – that he decided to go with the incumbent players and have a battle and not bring in a veteran transfer player. It's going to be Garrett Green or it's going to yeah, be Nico Marco. And yeah. Nico's a former four-star from Arizona. Garrett Green's yeah. been there a while. The fan base is pretty split. I would guess from what I know that I think Garrett Green's going to probably start. He's the more experienced player. He did play most of those games that were wins last year. They're both dual-threat QBs. They both have looked good at times in the offseason. Garrett looked a lot better in the spring game. I think that might be an edge for him. But you're then playing the mental war games, though. If you don't have Nico play now, like he's clearly going to transfer. He can't just never play. So then you lose him forever. There's a reason why Garrett hasn't played and been a starter to this point. He hasn't prior to this year looked that great in practices. So it's, who knows? But that decision, run. that de he can, that decision will really hinge on what this yeah. program does, but the schedule's not easy. 
And, you know, maybe they go over and win five, but I, I don't see a bowl appearance here, which would mean Neil Brown is done. Is there, do you see a bowl appearance here? They're getting at least a six or is it going to be lower than that? I mean, obviously the over under is four and a half, so that could even be an over of five, but that's not a year that'll save Neil Brown's job either. I guess my question is, you know, and I, I watched the spring game. I thought, I thought green looked pretty good. Yeah. He looked you know, good in the I've, spring. I've got I do some think shares so. of Nico. Uh, I've got a share of him in dynasty. Uh, <sighs> so I am, I am invest. I actually have a share of, uh, of Garrett too. Everyone should know that you are like a pioneer of college football fantasy that I didn't, I know it's a thing now, but you were telling me that back when I was in high school, this was a freaking thing. And at that time there was no, I just made it. Yeah. There was no NIL. There was no transfer (laughs) portal. Nobody should be gambling. All those rules were, were bad according to the world. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know it was a thing that I could have been doing when I was 15. So I missed out. Well, but, I had to but, find 11 other sickos like I had in Boston, <laughs> right. you know, where I grew up. They're all savages, and we all liked pro fantasy. And I had a friend of mine who was a linebacker who is now a, a defensive coordinator in the Boston area at the D3 level. Okay. And uh, and he whipped us all together and said, we're doing this. Go get your Phil Steele football magazine. If you look over here, I have – this is a Phil stack. Steele's pretty down this on West Virginia. All, <laughs> this is all Phil Steele for like Phil, the past, Phil Steele, I, like I respect. 20 of very, them. very down on West Virginia. Uh, Phil Steele is very down on yeah, West Virginia. Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Phil yeah, Steele. as yeah, most uh, would be. If you watched the spring game, though, have did you – I did. I liked him. And, so um, would it – outside of Garrett Green, though, because he can run, and it's about whether he can run and throw. The benefit for him could be the yeah. offensive line and experience, at least of the anchor positions. They have Absolutely. a real, they have a real strong a depth of, of running back. Real, not not nearly as much as the last few years. They have really not yeah, lost I a star. No, more, yeah, honestly, no. when I was going it, through it, a lot of it's just depth. They lost Tony Mathis, but if C.J. Donaldson is healthy fine. all year, it's, it's not going to be a big yes. deal. So no loss. What uh, have you noticed question. from the running game with so many running backs? C.J. Donaldson now going to be the number one. Even yeah. the receivers, they bring in a whole new cast of characters with Devin Carter expected to be the number That's one. And then even, even Cole Taylor, who never could get an opportunity at LSU in the SEC, but Neil Brown refers to him as open by birth. The guy's a big man, and if his hands can get better, he's going to be utilized in the passing game. Any thoughts that any of those transfer additions could actually be the driving force of this yeah. team, even if not the QB? Like, What do you think of those moves and those players? Well, it had to be done. You right. had to do it. Look at it. Right. James, gone. BF Dubs, gone. We saw him at the Shrine Bowl. Prather, Maryland. Yeah. Uh, Reese Smith, gone. O'Loughlin, gone. You know, there's yeah. another tight end. There's, there's Mathis, gone. Okay. It, it, there's no re- getting a bunch of freshmen and just developing them now for Neil Brown. If he doesn't right. do it now, he's gone. So, Devin Carter, why not coming out of NC State? Uh, he's a guy I actually do have a share of him. Uh, in fantasy and okay. why wouldn't you big bodied receiver um yeah. he had you know two years ago against clemson if all the west virginia faithful i would go back to 21 and their game against clemson where he had a incredible game and that's back when uh you know devin leary you know was, was okay really getting, like huge watch that game and that's really what you'll want you'll see out of devin carter is he worked out he worked over andrew booth you know, who was, uh, I believe, the first or very, very early second round cornerback he plays for the Vikings. Now, he was a first rounder. And watch the way that he works the sidelines, um, you know, downfield creating separation at the top of the route stem. I've heard good things about the camp reports. I obviously haven't been yeah. there in person to see that, but, you know. He's uh, looked good. No, Devin Carter's I, looked good in camp. Yeah. I think the only thing that gives some people block, pause is he was brought in. He's talking about being the one. The program says he's going to be the one. He didn't have number one numbers in the ACC. Correct. Yeah. So why, I guess, is a question. Uh, he had um, Amezi was the wide receiver, the big wide receiver yeah. X for them in 2021, and then last year everything changed because uh, Leary got hurt, you know. And there's John Beck, who's not a particularly great offense coordinator. He ends up failing upwards, going to CCU, um, and then you know Fair Thomas is the slot receiver, and when you have a new they were just rotating quarterbacks. They had a like a fifth-year senior walk-on type guy who started the first game. Uh, Jack returned in the 36 Made a Chambers. bowl game despite all this. Though, oh, yeah. it was madness. Well, well yeah. Chambers started the first game because they had MJ 
Right. Um, and then MJ, who was just really, really a true freshman, like, or oh, we got to give more, just a little bit of rope here. So they started him. And that was another case of guys. I believe it's, it's legal in West Virginia. You got to be betting college football props because Jack Chambers <laughs> started, he started a college football game. Jack Chambers. Yeah. I just faded everything having to do with him and everything to do with the passing game. And that's what happens. And that's how the magic happens guys. So Jack Chambers, but then it goes on on a true freshman with more. So like their, their passing game was just totally out of sync all okay. season long. Like so he can he can great. have at least yeah. Bryce for Wheaton numbers where you're looking at instead of 400 yards, 700 yards like that. Yes. That can happen. And Bryce for Wheaton, I wish he had a little more wiggle to his game. How many? I mean, I don't need to tell the yeah. West Virginia faithful. But how many? How many hitches did you see him to like catch? Like, okay, we got just a short little you know wide receiver screen, a little hitch. And instead of like having a little bit of of left or right, yeah. he just goes straight up the field. Yeah, he's like, fast, there's no maybe- nuance. He just goes. Yeah, yeah, and he even surprises the combine running the four three eight through a shot across the bow and said, "I'm going to run Freak. really fast." And he did set some records there, but didn't get drafted still. So maybe that's part of it. And he so had all these different straight. quarterbacks to deal with. But that 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 story for Bryce Wheaton's over at WVU. So we'll see what he does with the Giants. I feel like that's probably better. I mean, he's got he's more yeah. nuanced in terms of what he was doing. And you know, NC State had Robert and I come in. You know, a new offensive coordinator. When you get a new system, you get a whole new. Yeah. Uh, and then the deionization of the program happens, and everybody goes their separate ways. But the deionization. Um, I, I, I might have to use that one. The deionization. <laughs> I'm gonna drop cost. that to I'm gonna drop that to Pat Narduzzi. I think he's gonna love that. The deionization. Oh wow. Oh god damn. Um, if I if yeah. I get a little of my stuff over there on the Nard Dog, then that's that's all good with me. I I, I, Jay I Sean will, Polk could be somebody I will too. Give I like you Polk credit. out of Kent State. He was really Okay, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. Poke. Many I think he'd be a good he, slot. He was, he's a slot, you know, take it for what it is, but like he could fill be a returner to that role. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, those are two guys that I think can slot right in. Uh, you guys would know better than me on, on the depth side of things. But. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's an entirely new receiver room. It's really bizarre. Oh, yeah. Like, the entire room is new. The running back room is basically the same, except for bringing in Jaheim White as a freshman, who's looked really, really good. Rodney Gallagher, Everybody's a four-star, who's a relatively local product for the Pittsburgh area that went down at WVU. You're obviously not going to be saved by a true freshman right away. But I would not be shocked if he makes an impact and he gets some PT. They don't normally do that. But he was a a product and a player that Neil Brown in West Virginia really recruited heavily. They consider him a local recruit, despite him not being a West Virginia player. So I would think he already has an NIL deal from high school. Like he's going to get in a little bit. I would not be shocked. He was not at spring ball. He will be at, at fall camp. He's a question mark on what happens. And by the way, as we now segue again, he was deciding between West Virginia and this team, who they're going to play in week one, and that is Penn State. So Penn State, according to DraftKings and all these sports books, Caesars, FanDuel, et cetera, they're at nine and a half. So this is a little different story than West Virginia and Pitt. Penn State expects to be a top 15 team, a top 10 team, vying for the playoffs, certainly when it's expanded. They won a Rose Bowl last year, but they lost to their rivals. They lost to Michigan. They lost to Ohio State. A lot of fans are still upset about it because you can't just lose those games every year despite winning the Rose Bowl. They do lose some veterans from last year, and they put some players in the NFL, like P.J. Mustersom, um, Mitchell Tinsley, etc. Even Sean Clifford, to be honest. What do you think of the Penn State Nittany Lions, as you're getting me a card or something here for the video? Oh, the yeah, show. This is available with video and audio, but the video is just so much better when you get Eric Proton on the show. <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you think of Penn State, though, this year? I mean, they're obviously heavily favored against West Virginia. That is a home game. But the entire year is about can they beat the rivals, can they beat the top dogs, and can they get in the playoff? So can they? I love Penn State this year. Okay. I don't like them. I love them. Every okay. single team. That Penn State played last year that wasn't Michigan or uh, or Ohio State. Yeah, they had like a, a eighty five percent plus win expectancy. They just murdered they every did. team that they played. Like, I thought I watched a lot of it, you know, because obviously we do. I'm doing the scouting just so you know, just a little bit of what I do for NBC. I wrote all two hundred and ten plus of the defensive and offensive line player profiles that go up during the draft. A lot of work. Uh, 300 man. words each. I mean, all, it's like I'm watching all – I watch so much at Penn State tape, it's ridiculous. Okay. And uh, and I have shares. I have a, a big C2C share, Campus to Canton, yeah. uh, of Drew Aller. So I am I am invested. 
in Drew Aller, and I am also invested, if you can see it here, in Nick Singleton. Now, what this is, what you're looking at, <laughs> okay. is that is a gold, one wow. of 50. You are a collector. Wow. Bowman University autograph. I'm I'm impr- wow, I'm in- Nick Singleton. Now I yeah. have I have comp I have accrued under the glass too. Under the glass. Under the glass, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. right there, right, right in the trophy case. It's right behind okay. me. I have a whole trophy case here. Okay. But I have accrued arguably the greatest comp greatest collection of Nick Singleton uh Bowman U memorabilia in the world. I've got his his one of five autograph, his red shimmer. I've got the, the gold. I've got every variation of his autograph and card because he is going to be the Bijan Robinson of 2025 class. Wow. He is six foot, 228. The guy is hitting home runs left and right. Like you don't see in terms of all right, so here's a great stat from a column I just wrote. So as as Mike had alluded to, I am in the college I, I do anything college football related, DFS fantasy I'm the number one college football player props expert in the world. Uh, I hit 69% of my plays over the course of the past three seasons. I do it every week. That being said, okay. last year, right, over the course of the past four full seasons, right, in 2018, there were 10 running backs that achieved 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns while receiving less than 20 carries, right? 10 in all of college football. Last year, there were just two. That's the difference in just five years and how much teams are throwing the ball. So you just don't see low volume running backs hitting these elite thresholds like you yeah. used to. Just, yeah, unless you're B. John Robinson, ball. right. Unless you're a god. But B. Right. John had over 200 carries. Yeah. The only two guys to hit that mark, the 1,010 under 200 carries last year, Zach Charbonnet, who was a second round pick, he was a third running back taken. Uh, and was absolutely incredible for UCLA yep. and Nick Singleton. And it's because Singleton, he only had 156 carries last year, and he had 1,057 and 12 because the guy hits bombs at 228. He's outrunning people at 228. He doesn't just have good feet. Like, he can follow the blocks, but he's got the long speed. Pairing him up with Catron Allen, a fellow true freshman, and and Aller, like that backfield is going forward unabated, and it's going to be a problem. The only thing I really concern, and you got Ola Mushimi, uh, I mean, Ola Fashanu, excuse yeah. me, the number one, he would have been the number one left tackle in this draft. He would have been a top five picks in the 2023 draft. Decided to come back because he knows that Ben State has got something, and they're going to go and dominate this year. I sincerely think. I, I'm not just saying, like, I have shares okay. of Aller, I have all that. Yeah. I think Penn State, I think it could be their year. I think they could legitimately win the Big Ten this year. It's a changeover uh, at Ohio State. You know, they're weak. They can finally get It all them. comes down to those games, as you know. Like, no. Penn State, is, oh. is there, they're probably going to beat West Virginia. They should be able to beat a lot of these other Big Ten teams. Now, in past years, they have been upset uh, occasionally by Illinois, and some of Maryland's been good in recent years. Like, some of those teams could give them problems, but Penn State should win, and if they don't, it would be a big deal and a major upset. But the whole year comes down to Ohio State and Michigan. They couldn't beat them last year. Michigan got in the playoff. Ohio State's always dangling right there. This is the year they could finally catch them. And the way it works at Penn State, as you know, if they go, you know, 10 and 2 and go to the Rose Bowl again, but miss out in the playoff, the fan base is going to be unhappy. Like they eventually they got to try to break through. But you're saying that you, this could be that year. It's, it's playoff or bust for a lot of it Penn could. State fans. Uh, the, well, I think you got two years. I think this is, the, this is a nice little two year okay. window. It's, it's year one of Valor, you know, his, right? his starting, you know, um, Drew L. So I feel like you have to, okay. you have to temper that and expect that there could be, and there likely will be some growing pains. I watched the whole spring game, everything. And while I, I like seeing Aller and how he made his progression, especially we all saw the one clip where the touchdown pass was going right center left yeah. hits it. And it was beautiful. And it was how it was supposed to go, but there was a few other passes that I'm watching and I'm still seeing the footwork. He's a little bit on his toes. He's okay. making that delivery. A little I bit mean, of wobble in his ball that I didn't expect to see. 
So, so Eric, let me still things he, he can improve. Yeah. Upon. So if you're telling me there's things he can still improve upon, and obviously they're going to be maybe a run first team, but most of the Big Ten knows this. They're going to be ready for this. And some of those stud defenses on the D line, they're ready too. Yeah. So my question to you is the Penn State season comes down all it's going to come down again to Ohio State, Michigan. They don't play either one of these teams until middle of the season. So they got to be like six, seven, and oh before Building those games up the happen. anticipation for those games. Yeah. Yeah. So my question to you though is outside of Ohio State and Michigan which if they don't beat them again, they're probably going to have the same year they had last year where they're just outside the playoff. But if they beat one of them, at least, they probably will get in. If they beat both of them, they're certainly going to get in. If they can go through the schedule and deal with those teams, they're going to be fine. It'll come down to those games. Outside of Ohio State and Michigan, though, which, which is the other game on this schedule besides the Buckeyes and Wolverines that could have Penn State trip up to make those games irrelevant? Because if they lose to Illinois or Maryland or Northwestern, those Ohio State-Michigan games might not matter at all. It's true. And I'm looking at schedule. I would have to say it's either September 16th, week three at Illinois okay. you know, on the road in Champaign. They are, they have new QB, you know, DeVito's out, but like, and they don't have Walters there. Who's just an incredible DC. That's still like first, you know, on the road, first big 10 game. That's a problem. But I think most likely it would probably be Iowa. You know, they get him at home, Okay. but you know, Iowa for the first time, has actually embraced Dion style. You know, here we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the transfer portal, you know, and or you know, or Kiffin. You know, Lane Kiffin's gonna be upset with me not giving him his portal king status, you know. But sure, sure. I'm sorry, it's you've you've been trumped. Narduzzi uh, didn't speak on Lane Kiffin. He didn't didn't have speak a, on he, the Lane Train, you know, yeah, admit, a, a detente between Nardog and, and the Lane Train. But yeah. I'd say it's probably Iowa, you know, where okay. Brian Ferentz's contract is literally tied to scoring 25 points a game, which would be like eight points more. I, I think it's like 16, 17 last year. Pathetic. But, uh, you know, that's that's at least a team that, I, that has talent, has brought in some good guys, um, could actually get some competent, you know, at, at least steady QB play for the first time. Okay. You know, yeah, I was normally a good team. McNamara, he's not exciting, but like McNamara, at least, year. at least yeah. he can you know hold the baseline. You know, they can inhabit. The, the one I would point to could be later in the year, and it could be, I believe, it's after they already play Ohio State, so they could have Ohio State where they de- maybe they would somehow beat Ohio State, or even if they would lose, it's right before, so it's in the middle. Eric, you have Ohio State, then you have Indiana. Probably you're going to beat Indiana there, but right before Michigan. I do wonder if a very, very, it's a trap game and it's a veteran Maryland team that's been in the, been in a bowl game a few years in a row now. They're a veteran team. This is kind of the swan song for this cast of characters, but they are maybe the most veteran senior rating team in the big 10. I'm not saying they're going to go ahead and win 10 games. They should at least win seven or eight again. And they maybe could surprise some teams. They were close to some upsets last year. They mostly took advantage of FCF's teams to get in the bowl, but that's right before Michigan after Ohio State. So whether you beat the Buckeyes or not, you can get up or down. And Maryland has a real veteran team. That could be a trip up in a trap game right before Michigan and ruin kind of the whole hype train in what Penn State Michigan could be. So if it's that happens, point. remember this show and I will brush my yeah. shoulders off. That's where I'm going right now. If they're going to get tripped up, I think it could be there, but it could be a special year for Penn State for sure. Eric, I appreciate the time. It was great catching up with you. This was the first virtual for us. We did a lot in person at the Shrine Bowl oh, in, yeah. in the Combine. So I'm hoping to see you in early September in Happy oh, Valley. I hope so. I'll, I'll be in touch, Mike, obviously. I, I'm, yeah. I'm going to try to make that. I think I'm going to do it. Okay. And, uh, and we'll obviously there. get to hang out in the in the press box. You'd show me around yeah. the place. I haven't been to Beaver <laughs> Stadium yet. So. Okay, man, it is fantastic. I will definitely show you around. We'll definitely be there. Regardless, we'll, we'll do one of these shows before the season, maybe there as well. Absolutely. So, Eric, I, d- I definitely appreciate it, man. Thank you, Mike. Take it easy, brother. All right. So, again, Eric Froton of NBC Sports. He is their lead college football and NFL draft analyst. He is mediocre on pit, kind of feeling like they're going to be what they are. He is maybe, as everybody else, down on the West Virginia Mountaineers. And, yeah, the schedule's not favorable. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe they'll get lucky and win more. They, if it's not a bowl season, though, Neil Brown is gone. And he knows that, too. And then he is very, very high on Penn State, maybe higher than some, but there are expectations this year that it's playoff or bust after Rose Bowl year. they got to beat the rivals regardless of what else they do. Eric, very, very high on the Nittany Lions and thinks nine and a half might be low, and then they could go 10-plus again, if not 11 
which then you get 11, you lose one. They can probably afford to lose one of those Ohio State and Michigan games. They're going to have one of the tougher schedules in terms of maybe quality losses if you have to have that argument of the year. But they got to beat one of them. They got to beat one of them. And they can't lose the other games. So we'll see if they get trapped or not. Again, you can check out every episode of Mic Drop here throughout the Believe Network. Also, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, etc. You can find the pit coverage at Pittsburgh Sports Now, the West Virginia coverage. I am on the WB at WV Sports Now. And, of course, our Penn State coverage throughout the Sports Now family of networks at Nittany Sports Now. The odds here were thanks to DraftKings. So, daps to DraftKings, of course, one of our betting partners throughout the Sports Now family networks and also someone that we work with throughout Believe Network properties as well. Again, thanks to Eric Froton of Embassy Sports. I am Mike Osti, and we are months away, but I am already excited for the new college football season. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.